Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Young is not an NFL quarterback, Great. and I'm not saying he's not a good kid or a great athlete. Clearly, he is. But Bryce Young, at five foot two, cannot be a successful quarterback in the NFL. And I don't care what Coach Canales has done in his past, and I respect his resume. But this is why I said back in April of a year ago that C.J. Stroud was the obvious number one pick. And if you took Bryce Young, you were making a mistake, and you could check the tapes. I said it because as great as he was in college. As smart as he is, as athletic as he is, he's not an NFL quarterback. He's almost like, he's to me, he's like Dave Meggett. He's like a third down specialty back or maybe, maybe a slot receiver on third and two. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Uh, that is Craig Carton on Fox Sports 1, one of the many talking head shows on Fox, Fox Sports, Sports 1 <laughs> that I feel like many of us uh, ignore. Many of us probably ignore. I don't know what I just did there. There's Fox Sports. That'll teach them. Fox Sports. <laughs> That'll yeah. show them. Got him, Carton. Huh? Yeah, that Good luck will with show them. Good luck with your major platform and your millions of dollars. All right. <laughs> Full disclosure, I, I know Craig Carton personally. I haven't talked to him in, in, in a while. While, but like I worked with him when I was young in radio and he was really kind of like helpful. But if he tried to tell me the key to radio is takes like that, I wouldn't listen. <laughs> I would He taught me some things about radio that I learned and he has always been a guy. It's like, so, what, we, so we blame him then. What is the, he's always been one of those. Like, how can I stir it up? Like, you know what I mean? He wants to stir it up. Just hot, baby. That take, I mean, I'm, are you, are your, are your ears burnt? As you sit in the car hearing that take, listen. Do we get, do we get mad, mad, or just laugh at how absurdly ridiculous? So, first of all, the guy's not five two. Put some respect. He's five nine and a half. Yeah, come on, put those and inches back on, baby. All right, seriously. Um, secondly, at one point he mentioned the UFL. The Bryce Young is a UFL level quarterback. It's like you don't even think he's good enough to have a backup career in this league. And and just to go that in on him, it does annoy me to go that in on him on a national TV show and completely ignore everything that was against Bryce is just so unfair. And that, oh my god. And Willie Colon was there trying to, you know, explain to him, do you realize how empty the cupboard is? For Bryce when it comes to offensive help. But Craig Carton doesn't want to hear that. Because when he has a strong take, right, that's going to shock everybody. Like, he's he's going to go all the heck in. And it's just, this is worse. I don't even think the texters have come up with something that bad about Bryce Young. Like, can't make it in the league. Like, if you think he's not, you know, going to make it as the Panther starter. Don't you think someone that has enough talent bone and played the way he did at Alabama, that he was good enough to get, be the number one pick. Don't you think he's getting another shot somewhere? And that he, like, Blaine Gabbert is a backup quarterback in the league. We don't think Bryce Young's going to get a chance. Like, so that's, do we that's, not the, see, that's the thing that's ridiculous to me, man. Do we not see by midseason, end of the year, the guys that end up starting games? 
even for some of the good teams when guys get mad. Look at Joe Flacco came off the couch this year and, and led the Browns to the playoffs. Do we not see the backups and these guys that have to play in games in the regular season? It's more than ever of guys on the depth chart that play. We see we saw Skylar Thompson two years ago start a playoff game for Miami because the quarterback room got so depleted. To sit there and say that he's not going to make it in the league. And he's got to go to the UFL. He's UFL or he's going to be a Dave Meggett type. You know, gadget, running back, wide out type player. <laughs> I mean, if you want to say that you're right about Stroud, how can we argue after one year that the Stroud fans were not accurate for that year and how we, great he was? We, we but can. to say the kid's not in the league, you've gone so far the other direction, it's almost laughable. It I've is. heard some bad it, takes. I may have had some bad takes before, <laughs> but this is this is the Mount Rushmore of suck. It's another level, man, and it does annoy me. This texture says what you were asking. Mac, how can you even take that take seriously? It's so bad, just laugh it off. I don't know. I don't laugh off things said about uh, Panther quarterbacks too well. You know what I mean? We get, like, I just don't, especially when it's that ridiculous. Now, this texture says, was he really trying to say that Bryce should play slot receiver or scat back? Or was he comparing um, like his position in the league to those sort of players? I don't know. Someone brought this up earlier. Coach Polly brought that. I thought he was saying because he's so short. Like, that's the position he should be yes. playing in the league. Is that what he's doing? Because Dave Meggett's 100%. Dave Meggett's 5'7". Yeah. So he's trying to compare, like, short players in their role in the league, I guess. Yeah, right? he has, so now he we're has trying to no change idea. his position. Are you kidding? I mean, listen, Bryce moves around pretty well, but it's not like Bryce is some dynamic athlete where you're like, yeah, put him at this position where he catches the football. I never space. watched Bryce and said, you know what? Maybe kick returner is where he needs to go or punt returner. So what is that? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Craig Carton didn't watch a single snap from Bryce Young all year. I mean, it's That's, possible. Yeah. How many national guys are locked into two and fifteen Panther football? That's fine. Then don't have then don't have the take. Do some research. And it's one thing if you have a take, but to make it that strong. Like you could be skeptical of Bryce Young, but to be that adamant about it, and you know he wants it to be true, because he's one of these guys like many of the texters. I said it coming out. He's not going to be a good, and C.J. Stroud should be the pick. And it's like, that's the same type of stuff we hear from a lot of texters. Oh, I told you coming out. And it's like, you get that vibe that some people just so badly want to be right about it. And they want to dismiss him and not look at what C.J. Stroud himself said after the season. That everybody's situation is different. And you're right, Flound. If you watched any period of pain, and that's and that's why maybe I should laugh Craig Carton off. But, like, the the folks that claim to be Panther fans on the text line, Bone, that have watched Bryce Young play this season, all season, and still have that take. Like, the guy that tried to bet Flound, and then I guess backtracked out of it so badly. But, like, that that, that guy's he's not going to be in the league in, in two years or in whatever it was. It's like, how do you have that take if you do watch every Panther game? Bagel guys commenting on what Flounder said about Craig Carton not watching a second of Panther football this year. Bagel guy says he's very lucky if he didn't watch it. Second of Panther. <laughs> That's true. Should we, I, I, we we could actually call him smart if he avoided Panther football. <laughs> but Flound is right. To come in that hot would it take when, like, did he know how bad the O-line was? Did well, he know like, how bad the weapons are? Or was Willie Colon the only guy on that set that knew those details? He, he's an entertainer. We know Craig Carter. Yeah, I, I've listened yeah. to watch him forever. You know him. You know him yeah. personally, but he's not going to come on any show that he's on and be like, I don't know if Bryce Young is going to make it in the league or not. It's going to be, he's questionable to me how long his career might last. He's not a nuanced He's not going to just say it that way. He's going to go the most extreme stuff he can do. That's yeah. what he's going to do. But this one, I don't know. This dude says, Mac, um, and you said you know Carton personally. I've listened to him a ton on WFAN. This should not be surprising.
It's the only thing, you know what it is? Because there's probably carton takes that go viral every day, and I don't care about them. Yeah. Because it's like it does it. But it's like you coming up in Bryce's kitchen. Also, and that's where it's like, come on, man, because you you are spreading this to a national audience. Now, their audiences might be fairly tiny, relatively yeah. speaking, at the TV level, but you're still spreading this to hundreds of thousands of people. I don't know. It's, just, also, it's so uneducated. It's annoying. Me. In New York on WFAN, he was talking about New York sports teams. These were teams that he covered every day. These were teams that he watched yeah. every game. Yeah. So it's the a national, little bit different. Yeah, you're right. The national is... Because he doesn't live and die for sports. Like, knowing him, you know what I mean? Like, he lives and dies for radio. And he likes sports. Yes. But it's not going to be the most nuanced sports conference. I'm not saying that we don't have high. I'm not saying our takes are perfectly nuanced and all that. I, if I said that, y'all laugh. But, like, it, it, it just, I'm just trying to put, we're trying to put some context into kind of who he is and why maybe he says this wacko um, uh, uh, take. This texter says, please tell me Darren Gant is now copywriting Bryce Young makes people stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like, I don't even know. Was something this outrageous said about Cam? I guess it probably was because it was Cam, right? But this feels extremely outrageous for a Panther QB national this, this, this was about, you know, the game of Bryce Young. Cam had a lot of personality detractors. You know, they didn't like the, the confidence necessarily. They didn't like sometimes, whatever it was. But I think Cam's game was, you know, it ended up being pretty well respected, especially when he got to 2015 and he was dominating. This is about Bryce Young's game. And Bryce Young has to prove him wrong. And I and I think he still will. I, I believe in Bryce. All right. Let's get to the size issue here, Bone. You should text right. Greg Carton right now and tell him how mad you are. Adam. I had talked to him. And, yeah. <laughs> that would really ruin his day, wouldn't it? Well, I got his number right here. We this, should do it. This, young, hey, this is Mac. I was your intern 25 years ago. How dare you? This young little punk that I taught, uh, showed the ropes to has the audacity to come at my takes. Get him on, anyway, get him on the show and we'll have Flounder attack him. We, <laughs> we could put on the show and let him double down. I guess. Um, all right. So let's talk about the size thing here, because a lot of people are agreeing with him because of the size thing. Mac, I've been telling you all along, Bryce Young is an anomaly for someone that small to make it in the NFL. It would be a miracle. Another texter says you guys can argue. You can make fun of his take all you want. But the fact is, Bryce Young would be a historical case if at that size he makes it into the NFL and is successful. I mean, how much smaller is he than Russell Wilson? I mean, they're both about 5'10". Yes. We're talking, like at the combine. Russell's thicker now because he grew over time. But, 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 but that, okay, so let's deal with that point right there. Russ is 5'10 and change, and Bryce is 5'10 and change, but Russ has a little more change. Or Russ might be 5'11 and change. He's 5'11. And Bryce two, is 5'10 and change. 5'11, 215 okay. for a big Russ. So it's one inch we're talking about, give or take. Is that going to make that much of a difference? So then let's bring up what you said. Oh, he's stocky. He's got more bulk. Because admittedly, Bryce is very thin, right? Did it look like the, the lack of bulk was killing Bryce? He took, he took more hits. I think that anybody in the league and got up every damn time. So I would argue that the bulk theory was proven wrong. Right? How much of the struggles with the offense and the team and Bryce had to do with height? That's what I'm saying. I don't I mean, think the offensive line had trouble protecting because he was shorter. Like the receivers couldn't catch balls and get separation because he was shorter. Well, well, all these problems that we had, how many were because Bryce is small? I, I, I got nothing on that. There were problems there that it didn't matter if the, you could have uh, 
You could have Rick Smith playing quarterback back there, and the same problems would happen this year. Uh, this text. I don't recommend that happening, but that's just my example. <laughs> market size matters on the text line. So we believe size matters. All right, market size and QB size apparently. He texts us seven zero four five seven zero nine six ten and says Bryce may be five nine one sixty. So how is he at the combine five ten and change and two hundred? You know what I mean? Like someone call him one sixties. So I, I feel what? like we're getting a little crazy here by going to one six. Kind of like Carton was when he said five two. Uh, this text, five five nine one sixty was Mac when he got into sports talk radio. <laughs> was Craig Carton? This, you were a small guy. I was one hundred thirty pounds. And you know what? You then, didn't let your thirty pounds. And you didn't let your size deter you from your great career, did you? You got, got bigger over time. Can huh? y'all? Oh yeah, I put the bulk on. Anybody? Well, that fuck he is. Anybody questioned if twenty five year old Mac could bulk up because he weighed one thirty? Um, yeah, it's on now. <laughs> the bulk has now been added. But we hope Bryce chooses a different method for adding bulk <laughs> rather than just, you know, eating Frito-Lay products to get there. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, what do you think about... Yeah, if Bryce wants to gain weight, just eat a lot of cheese and sit around more. <laughs> what do you think about what this text... Yeah, sit on the couch and eat junk food. This texture says, Mac, I think the thing you've got to acknowledge is that Bryce has a much lower floor than you guys ever thought. Matter of fact, coming into the league, people thought his floor was higher than the other quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to sit there and say that. I, I think I think the way he would fail as a starter, I'm not going to say it's impossible, Bone, but I believe in him enough to where I think if the front office does their job and gives him a competent supporting cast. Now, I'm not on here arguing, Bone. He's the type of, he looks like the type of guy that's going to carry a supporting cast and raise their level astronomically. But I think if he doesn't fit as a starter, I think ultimately it'll be mostly because they've never succeeded in putting the pieces around him. That, that's, I believe at the very least, Bone, he'll be a solid starter if they put good enough pieces around him. Meg, if you made a list of all the things this year that happened that helped Bryce, how many things do you think would this team help Bryce this past year? If you had to list them off, what went right where they helped Bryce? I mean, Adam Thielen helped, right? <laughs> but other than that, I don't, I'm sure there's it anything on there. It wasn't but the tight end. at times when the running game got going, but even the running game let him down. It wasn't the line, the receivers, the tight ends, the coaching, the yeah. play calling going back and forth. If you listen, all the things that went well for him, that was he was able to succeed because of that. You have Thielen. You have second half of the year Chuba, I guess. And that is about it. Nothing went his way. Your guy, uh, your guy is a bum. Says he is maybe five five and soaking wet. He might reach one hundred forty five pounds. We saw, we saw him in person at camp when Mac had him cornered by the woods. He, he was tall. Would, you, would, you, would you like to make a bet on that, sir? I will bet you a month's paycheck that he is taller than five five and weighs more than one hundred and forty five. Bring pounds. it on, is a bum. Bring it on. Yeah, I yeah, I stood next to him. He is slightly taller than me. David Tepper told us that when he uh, came into our studio that one day, and he was true, and he was right about that, and. Uh, um, so I'm five nine and change. He's got to be at least five ten and change. Yeah, he was taller now, than us. Now the weight did he put some weight on to get to two hundred? But I also thought he put some weight on before camp. I thought he looked a little thin. I mean, he's never going to be like Fat Mac. I mean, he's I mean, he's never going to be stocky. I don't think he has that in him. Yeah, what are they but expecting, like, Big Ben? That's like, <laughs> but he held up physically through hopefully the most beating that he will take in his career this past season. He needs right. to he needs to call up uh, some of our friends from late '90s baseball. Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds. They had the creams and the rubs. 
there a cream out there that can get price bigger? <laughs> no, I'm uh, saying. The, excuse me? No, the, Barry Bonds had the, the, the cream that he rubbed on it. Cream in the clear. Yeah, the cream I, in the I clear. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I'm, but, not adv- I'm not advocating to cheat, but, you Bones. know, you get away with it. Those guys did. Now, you won't go to the Hall of Fame now because Bone's biggest man fan. That's a texter's name. He's got to love you, Bone. Says Bryce at 3278 pounds. Yeah, he's got him the size of Webster. <laughs> Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. We've been putting up the Carolina Panthers position previews up there, and today we'll upload our cornerbacks segment. Past, present, future, talking cornerbacks here, Wes. I think this is one of the more interesting position groups that we'll look at before we get to the regular season, even if we bring this back right before the season, after free agency is done, after the draft is over and done with, we can reevaluate this and see just how much they changed. If we go evaluate the past, I think this is a position most people will point to and say, maybe outside of quarterback, they'll point to that position and say, that's where it went the most wrong for the Panthers. Because if you look at J.C. Horn, I like J.C. Horn a lot as a player. And I think most people do, but the guy's hurt constantly. And so when you draft him, number eight overall, the first defensive player off of the board when he was selected, Patrick Sertan, who has been a better cornerback in the league to this point, more healthy, but also a better corner. He was the pick right after J.C. Horn. And J.C. is a guy you also took instead of a potential quarterback. Like, maybe you like that better, considering hindsight. Maybe you like that better than taking a chance on Justin Fields, who just might get traded. Might go to Pittsburgh, might go to the Falcons as the Chicago Bears are selecting a new quarterback with that number one overall pick. But Justin Fields would still be maybe intriguing enough to where you wish you would have done that. Either way, you have the J.C. Horn pick where I don't think you missed on talent evaluation. It's just not gone well for you in way of health. Dante Jackson, as much as I think he is a good enough number two corner in this league, you did decide to pay him. Instead of paying a Hassan Reddick, which I will not argue is the right choice, I wish they would have paid Hassan Reddick. Remember, they also got rid of Stephon Gilmore after trading a six-round pick for him, getting him from New England. Gilmore is only here for one season. Remember, they thought they were going to win a lot. They invested a lot in cornerback. And then Stephon Gilmore is gone after that season went terribly wrong. And the last one, of course, we can go back to here, Wes, is the C.J. Henderson trade, which was terrible. They traded a third-round pick and Dan Arnold in exchange for C.J. Henderson, a former top 10 pick who like had some moments in Jacksonville, but never really worked out after just one season's worth of work. And he's never 
never been somebody that you can rely on here in Carolina. Wes, it feels like the cornerback position, you can look at that position and say, man, Scott Fitterer, he tried to make it right there, but in the end, it just didn't work out how we all hoped it would. No, it didn't, and I think that this is a position, too, that uh, you know, needs a little bit of revamping uh, on this defense, and it's going to be interesting the de- the decisions that need to be made uh, on this. Are you going to give J.C. Horn that fifth year uh, on that rookie deal? Are you going to bring him back and see if he can finally stay healthy for the duration of the season before you decide to make a commitment to him? Because you have two corners, neither one of which can stay healthy, one of which uh, is a really good cover corner when he is healthy, but the other, to me, you know, he's average at best. And so, in my opinion, you need to address that other corner spot and then maybe some depth pieces as well. I know Troy Hill uh, coming up as a guy that definitely showed some flashes at the end of the season, not saying that he could be a starter, but this is a guy that could be your third corner uh, and be a guy that could be effective because he did pop up and make plays uh, here and there as the season marched on. But I think Dante Jackson, uh, and you saw the article by the uh, athletic that was talking about some potential cuts for the Panthers, and they had Dante Jackson there saying that the Panthers could save themselves $5.9 million, uh, by cutting him because the Panthers have solid cap space, but not overwhelming cap space where they could just go out and be big ballers. You know what I'm saying? When you go to the mall and you got that check and no bills pending, and you could just go in there and just give me that, give me that, give me that, and you're at the food court eating, chilling with six bags laying by your feet, you know, when you're doing that type of balling. <laughs> the, the, the food court, it's it's tough to lay off as soon as you walk in it smells amazing especially any any japanese food spot at the food court is where i'm gonna go first and foremost and then if the line is too long I'll, i'll make it work from there but the Japanese restaurant at the food court is where I'm going for Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And then you got all the bags laying by your feet while you're eating good at the mall. That's when you know you're doing all right. But uh, Dante Jackson didn't get an interception uh, this year. Five pass breakups. And like I said, this is a guy that's hurt often. And I think he could be a guy that could end up getting cut uh, as this offseason approaches. And when you look uh, at the free agency market, I mean, obviously, I don't think the Panthers are going to be able to play at the top because, for one, uh, I think you have to build that front seven up first before you decide to go spend a bunch of money on a cornerback because it's not going to do you any good to spend a bunch of money on a guy out there uh, at the corner spot and you don't have enough pass rush or not getting home enough. Now, this is a good defense from a yardage standpoint, and there could be some uh, bargain guys when you start to get uh, down the list, whether you talk about a guy like a Kenny Moore from the Colts or uh, a Wuzier from the Bengals or Dory Jackson or some of those type of players that maybe uh, you could go and find uh, at some bargain prices to give you a fresh look out there. But I think the cornerback position is definitely one that needs to be addressed, but it's not as high up on the priority list as some of the others. Yeah, we've had our debates about cornerback, and at first I'd, I'll understand if they decide to cut Dante Jackson. It doesn't make me feel great about what they'll have afterwards because if you have so many other things that you need to address, right? So if you cut Dante Jackson and you release him with a post-June 1 designation, that would create $10.5 million in cap space, but the Panthers would have to carry the dead money into 2025. We've known what the Carolina Panthers have done before. They're not afraid to operate in dead cap. They've done it quite a bit. Since Dave Gettleman, I'll remember the Matt Khalil contract forever. That dead cap, I think, is still hitting. It's very Nick Batumish for the Carolina Panthers. I don't think that's true, but it hit for a long time. Either way, with this Dante Jackson ability to save some money just by having him cut from the roster, then you could save some money that way. The problem is you get to a point where J.C. Horn, 
is your best corner by far. That's true anyway. But if he goes down with an injury, which he's been way more injury prone than what Dante Jackson has, then who do you rely on? You rely on a free agent that you go out and sign. But if you look at some of the best guys available at that spot, to me, it's going to be really tough to decide to allocate the kind of money to a corner that you trust. Like some of the guys that are in my price range, and maybe you have a different price range outlook, but I'm looking at, I don't know, like Shadobi Awuzier. Yeah. That's going to be like $5 million a year, and he wasn't very good. In fact, he was graded lower than what Dante Jackson was. Now, maybe you're saving more money, depending on what kind of contract he would call for. But the further you go down, that's my point, right? The further you go down on this list, to me, you're finding a lot of corners that did what Dante did last year. Now, if you think that's a fluke, then maybe I could buy that. You just want to move on anyway. But you're getting to a lot of corners that did what Dante was doing for you last year. He is somebody that has been injured quite a bit before. But Dante last year was actually healthy, which was a nice change of pace. Something very different. And if you think that's an outlier, that might be true too. But once he was healthy, I don't think it's just a coincidence that the most healthy season he gave us was also the best that we've seen in the last three years. And so Carolina's going to have to decide if they want to try to save space in order to go after a different position, which makes sense. Like, I'll understand it. If you want to do that, that's cool. I wonder if the need to draft a cornerback goes up in the selection process just to try to save more money and then hit on some bargain that you could draft in the third or fourth round. Wes, we'll see some corners actually hit that way. I think teams might talk themselves out of some corners if they don't test well at the combine because you've got to be so athletic, but also good enough technique might help you become a pretty effective corner. Tariq Woolen comes to mind with Seattle, later pick, great rookie season. Like, you'll see some of those guys. And so that's what – it. cornerback's hard to try to figure out. Because Troy Hill, you also have to try to figure out, oh, man, was this the last season we're going to get good football from him because he's older? But he also understands Averro's scheme. We've worked together quite a few times. Allocating resources to other positions that you desperately need. Sacrificing what was at least an average cornerback last year that also had to step up and be your number one corner because J.C. Horn was out. How do you navigate that if you allocate money towards other positions? That's going to be a tough answer for them. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at the contract of J.C. Horn and you're looking at a $1.055 million base salary for next season. And so uh, that's a guy, so I stand corrected. His year wouldn't come up until 2025 where you decide if you want to give him uh, that fifth year or not under the rookie deal. And so you get another year to look at him to see if he is indeed that cornerback of the future that you envisioned him being. And yeah, Walker, you know, you do have a point uh, about, you know, you get a guy that's either on the same level or lesser than Dante Jackson. Uh, But I think at this point, too, you know, we talk about just being available and he was healthier this year. But I'm just I'm just not sure. And I think that corner you talk about when the draft comes, the best player available debate could be a corner that comes in there for you uh, at that third or fourth selection that you have that could be a guy that you feel like could come in and be one of those guys for you. It'll be interesting how they navigate this because another interesting aspect will be to see if, uh, you know, is Jair Alexander going to be available? But I know that he would probably be way too expensive for the Panthers, even if you had to trade for him or if he ended up being a a cut and then you had to try and sign him. He's going to command a high salary. I was just thinking of the whole home aspect of things of that nature. But it's going to be very intriguing to 
and see what the Panthers do to try to free up more cap space because I think with all of the needs that they have, that they're going to have to find some creative ways to find some more money if they want to address most of the things that they need in 2024. Now, that's also part of the problem of not hitting on cornerbacks in the draft or via trade is you don't have any depth and you don't have any starters that you can rely on because, I mean, even with some of the guys that aren't very good, those guys have been banged up with injuries as well at cornerback. It's really tough to try to figure out. Ultimately, if I had to decide right here, right now, do I think both starting corners are going to be back on this team? Wes, I'd probably say Dante Jackson does get cut. Mm -hmm. That would be my prediction. And I'm going to hope to God that they figure out who else is going to play outside of J.C. Horn because this is the problem for Carolina. Whoever you want to play second corner might just be your first. It's happened way too often the last couple of years. J.C. Horn, you want to be your top cover guy. But whoever you sign as your second corner, you have to just go ahead and bake into it that he's going to be your top corner because of the way that J.C. Horn gets hurt. And that sets you back in a big old way. So are you willing to do that? In order to try to spend more money on edge rushers, the offensive players. Yeah, I, that is that is one of the harder jobs that Dan Morgan has to figure out. Ultimately, though, Wes, I do think if I had to predict, I would tell you J.C. Horn will be back. He will be a starting corner for this team coming into the season, and Dante Jackson will be playing elsewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would agree with you because, like I said, I, I just think it's time. You know, Dante, he had a better season this year, but still not quite what you want uh, at the position. And so I think that maybe you can go out there and find a guy that could be a better scheme fit, could be uh, more durable, could be a guy that comes in and gives you more production uh, than what you got out of Dante Jackson. So the Panthers, as we've said, the grocery list is very long. Cornerback may not be at the top of it, but they definitely need to address that uh, this offseason because one thing you have to account for too, and we've seen – Weird deals of free agency where teams go and sign a guy and give them a bunch of money in a position that's not necessarily of need. Because if you're the Panthers, do you decide to say, hey, we may spend a little bit, uh, you know, on a guy because we don't know if our number one corner is going to be available. We don't trust that he will be. If you cut Dante Jackson, do you sign a guy that could give you a little bit of both? A guy that's a rock solid number two, but there's also a borderline one in case J.C. Horn does go down, because just for example, you talk about a Wuzie out of uh, Cincinnati, and you know his coverage grade with no pressure was an 80.2 this past season, and so this is a guy you know you get a little requisite pass rush going, you know he could be very very good. Now they talked about how he provided his services for Cincinnati at a rate of 7.25. You know he's going to be looking for more than that. But if you're the Panthers and you want to think outside the box a little bit. Are you signing a guy that could be your insurance in case you decide to move off of J.C. Horn after this season? And you say, this is going to be our guy. And if J.C. stays healthy, we'll see what happens when we get there. So you're asking, I'm sorry, what's your question? No, here? I'm just saying that just throwing an idea out there that the Panthers could decide to say, hey, maybe we might spend a little bit on a guy because we're not sure if J.C. Horn, especially if they cut right. Dante Jackson and they say, hey, we, we're not sure that J.C. Horn is going to be available for us all the time. So we need a guy that we can depend on once J.C. goes down. Yeah. Then maybe you bring back a Troy Hill, have him as your two as, uh, you know, in the event that Horn suffers another injury, which we don't want to see that. But say, let's just say you go sign in a Wuzier, and now you come out with him and Horn. Horn goes down for a few games. You got a Wuzier and Troy Hill or some type of combination like that. 
depending on how much money you want to to spend, right? Because like a Wuzier is predicted at about five million, so maybe you uh, five million a year. So I don't know, you know, wherever that neighborhood is. If he is your number one corner, then that's or if it, at at some point, then yeah, maybe he would make sense. Like for me, I'm not spending a ton of money on Legarius Sneed, on Jalen yeah, Johnson, or anything like that, or even a Jair Alexander, whoever may be out there. Because for me, also, if you look at cornerback, I feel like that position's just a little too hot right now for Panthers fans. If Dan Morgan comes in and wants to separate himself. From all of the decision-making that Scott Fitterer was a part of when he was at the helm, and Scott Fitterer was out here trying to chase all of these cornerbacks, and then one of Dan Morgan's first moves is paying top dollar for a nice enough corner, but you already have J.C. Horn, and that comes at the expense of dropping somebody else that you could really use at a different position. That just doesn't seem like the right kind of business for me. So the Dante, J.C. Horn thing, that's what he's going to have to figure out. Last thing for me, though, Wes, when we have had this debate before, I am not one, like, I understand Panthers fans. Most of them, I think, are ready to move on from Dante. Like, it's a little polarizing, probably like 60-40, 65-35. People are ready to move on from Dante. You also talked about maybe wanting to move on from J.C. Is that something you still feel? like you're Yeah, in the move? he can't stay healthy. But, but, but like, you would make that decision this offseason? No, not of him coming back at that. Still okay. under that rookie salary. I'd give him another year to prove that he can be sure. durable. And then if, if you get an injury where he's out for an extended period of time, then I think, yeah, you have to seriously think about moving on. I like DJ Skinner writing in. That much money makes me a little woozy, eh? <laughs> I was trying to hunt down his market value, I'm but you can't find it. Well, no, it's to- it's like five and a half million, according to Pro Football Focus, is the projected contract for Chidobia Woozie. Five and a half a year. You're looking at like a two-year, $10 million, whatever, and that's going to go up or down. But also, his coverage grade was worse than Dante's. Like, the thing that brings it down a little bit more is coverage, just based off of what you've seen. Like, that that's where I am. But if you want to move off of Dante because the price will be a little bit more what you picture for a player like that, then that makes sense to me. The Dante thing could go either way. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. The Florida State ACC negotiation is going to very likely, very possibly, at least, open the the doors for more, what could be, I guess, the final iteration of conference realignment, depending upon where you think we're going with this. Well, the ACC opened the door Friday afternoon for the next potential round of realignment. On page 20 of a 40-page filing that asks for a dismissal or a stay of Florida State's lawsuit, against the conference in Florida's Leon County, the ACC's attorney signaled a path to a logical endpoint 
in a case being litigated in two different states. The next move after that endpoint is probably yet another reshuffling that will once again alter our perception of which conferences hold how much power. This, by the way, direct, by the way, directly from a new Andy Staples piece over at On3. Um, the ACC indicated a willingness to negotiate with Florida State in that filing. It raised the possibility that there is a yet-to-be-agreed-upon dollar amount that would allow the Seminoles to leave the conference. It's you know pretty doubtful anybody in the conference office would admit this publicly now, but the inclusion of that language in a public court filing feels like proof enough that the divorce is going to happen. Now it's just a matter of time, like when it's going to happen, who gets paid how much. That's what it is. Um, and it feels like maybe right now they're trying to lessen the blow by getting it out in front of it, I guess. But we already know if Florida State leaves, then Clemson and North Carolina is not going to be far behind. Uh, it, but also, it's one of those situations where the other conferences are probably like, yeah, we, we're kind of good right now. We, we don't need you right at this moment. Because who's going to take the Florida State, for example? Well, that's that's what I want to know. The Big 12? Well, Because I mean, the Big 12 would probably take them. Oh, the Big 12 would definitely yeah, take Yeah, they them. would definitely take them. I mean, that would just give them more of a footprint in Florida now that they have UCF in there. But like, Well, stop for a second. Let, let, let's, let's ask this question. Let's explore this question for a second. If you're Florida State, hell, if you're Clemson, I could extend this question to maybe North Carolina, Duke State too, but let's just stop with Florida State, Clemson. Would you rather be in the Big 12 or the ACC? As currently constructed, which conference would you rather be in? Which conference has the brighter future on a, from a football perspective moving forward? You got to think about that. Probably. If you have to think about that, the answer is the Big 12. I think. Yeah, they probably would have more depth. Especially now that they're getting some of the uh, remittances of the Pac-12, like uh, Utah is now going to be in the Big 12. Um, so, okay, have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arizona just came off a really good. Now they lost their head coach, but you know, I, I mean, even with Texas, Oklahoma outgoing, okay, you look at the teams that will be in this conference moving forward: Baylor, BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State. Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia. I, I, I mean, isn't that a better football culture overall? In terms of depth, Top yes. to bottom? Yeah. I think maybe the ACC has more high end, but then again, the people that are threatening to leave are the two biggest ACC football schools in terms of most success over the last 15 years. Okay. I mean, you, you look at the Big 12 right now, you mentioned, heck, Kansas is having arguably the best run since 2008. Kansas, like, I don't know uh, if enough people really realize how good Kansas State's been under, over the last three to four years. Like, they, you know, many people don't talk about them. And since Bill Snyder's no longer the coach there, it's like people don't even realize who the coach is there. But I, I think you got those two. Iowa State kind of got back a little bit to what they were. Uh, Utah's Utah. BYU's usually pretty solid. Baylor's having a rough year, but you know if they let you know let go of uh, Dave Aranda, they got a lot of money to go after someone else. Yep. Um, TCU, I think they're going to be better than what they were last year. It's just year one was such a high point for them. They're getting Colorado, which we don't know what Colorado is going to be long term, but they're going to be interesting because Dion. So there's a lot of depth in that conference, and there's not that like hardly any schools where you could say, oh yeah, they suck. Yeah, I, the, Big Cat Day just said I had to think about it, Big 12. Uh, others saying the same thing. I, I think it's the better football conference. Now, 651 number, somebody texting in from Minnesota, uh, says conferences picking teams is more about TV numbers and regions than the best teams available. Yeah, at least it used to be. 
and, and I still think it's a factor, but it's hard to know if that's the biggest determining factor anymore, given the ma- given the massive changes in the media landscape. Oh, when you're a massive brand like Florida State or Clemson, even North Carolina, you don't have to worry about what market. You can be in ten buck two. Well, right, and, and it's funny you say that. South Carolina eight hundred three number said, "Why is Florida State such a draw?" Because they're a national brand. They're, you know, multi-time national champion. They're one of the first five to ten schools you think of when I say college football, go. When you say blue blood college football program, it might not be everybody thinks Florida State, but a lot of people do. Yeah. And and the thing is, it didn't really start to like, what, the 70s, late 70s, 80s when, when Bowden showed up? Yep. And the thing was, the funny thing was, it, it happened him, quickly. It took him about 15 years to finally win a national title, too. It, it happened really quickly, man. 704-570-9610. Hit me up on the text line. A lot of you are right now. Um, you know, 980 number says, is John Swafford's legacy going to be destroying the ACC? I don't... See, my, my position on this is supposed to be... I'm using quotes because I'm not a... I'm not a tobacco road guy. Like, I'm not a Duke Carolina State guy. I'm not a Wake guy. Like, I, I went to a Virginia school. So, like, if you went to an AC school, ACC school outside of North Carolina, the most common retort to that is, oh, yeah, Carolina Mafia. He only did what's good for Carolina. You know, so on and so forth. I'm going to be fair to John Swafford. I don't think that that is doing it justice. I think that he did the best that he could at the time to keep the conference together even if it wasn't a deal that was necessarily going to keep the conference together for the long, like, you know what I mean? Like, I I do think John Swafford cared about keeping the ACC together and did everything he could to keep it that way. Do I think the deal that he struck with the ESPN was the best one for the conference? No, no, not when other conferences can re up and renegotiate multiple times before you can. I'll put it to you like this. And this makes no sense, but it makes all the sense. He's the Australia of commissioners in sports. You know how the saying, well, Australia is both a country and a continent. So if you say, oh, Australia is a country. Well, no, Australia is a continent. Well, you're both right. Well, yeah, he saved the ACC, but it, and indirectly he arguably killed the ACC. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on that. 704-570-9610. Haddock, who is a big Florida State fan, not the fish, a man named Haddock. Uh, he says, Florida State ain't going to no Big 12. It's going to be the Big 10 or the SEC. Watch what I say. They ain't leaving the ACC for the Big 12 Conference. I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I know that's where they want to be. Clearly, that'd be their preference. That'd be any team's preference leaving their current conference looking for greener pastures. You want to get to one of the Big 2 conferences now. I mean, that's what we have. We have Power 2 conferences. We have SEC and Big 10. So I think that's where they'd prefer. I'm not, I, I don't think the SEC wants Florida State. No, you mean you really want to overcrowd the state of Florida that much? I don't know if they. I don't think they want them. Heck, I don't even think the Big Ten would want them. I I wonder about that. Why don't you think the Big Ten would want them? They would probably want Miami more. Why? I think partially because of the market. Not saying that's the end all be all, but they also I think are still going to be the conference now. Well, not always, but they're always going to be the conference that would put, uh, you know, education and have that matter somewhat. You know, Miami is a private institution. I think that plays a factor. And plus, it's very highly regarded. Yeah, I think there's a perception among some, to your point, that because it's the it's in Miami, that it's like a party school or it's a like Miami is a prestigious academic <laughs> university. It really is Miami. And what happened in the 80s specifically? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, the perceptions I get. But Miami is a very, very strong academic university. Mm-hmm. Great law school, all that. So. 
I, I think the Big Ten would absolutely and understandably have a great deal of interest in Miami. I think the Big Ten, if the Big Ten wants to get into Florida, I'd take them both. If you could get them. Yeah. If I'm the Big Ten, I want Florida State and Miami. I want into the state of Florida to go head-to-head with Florida. So that, that, that'd be, that would be my approach. Who's the Big Ten commissioner, Tony Petiti? That, yes. that would be my approach if I were him. But they don't pay me to make those decisions. Uh, of course, the Florida State fan says Miami's big trash. Uh, here we go. Texter says Big Ten would take Florida State and Miami. I, I agree with that. Uh, and, and, and then, again, the rest of these schools, I have no idea, man. And this is not imminent. I don't think it's happening tomorrow or next week or next month. But it might be one of those summer things that drops because this right. is – Yes. Yeah. I, I think this could be another year where we're sitting at, uh, you know, what, we go to the Westover, right? Weston. The West. Why did I say the Westover? What's wrong with me? How come – Oh, yes, my old neighborhood. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll go to the Westin this fall, this summer, rather. And and we're sitting there, and news breaks that you know, Florida State's out, and they're off to the Big Ten with Miami. At least you won't have to talk to uh, Justin Fuente this time. That's true. And that uh, at the same time, let's say Carolina and UVA are off to the SEC, or Carolina and Clemson are off. To, what happens there? Where does Clemson end up? Because that one's just as fascinating. I think at least one of the Big Ten or SEC would take them. I, well, I, I think, would think it would be more Big Ten, though. I would think so, too. Yeah. South Carolina's not a big state. It's a small state, as a matter of fact. Rock, and they don't want to rock the boat with the SEC, with South Carolina specifically. And they're already in different conferences, so it's not like you're splitting anybody up. I think the easy move there is for Clemson to go to the Big 12, or Big Ten, rather, if all this starts to fall apart. And the question is, like, how many teams... Like, does the Big Ten and the SEC... Do they want to be the AFC and NFC of this new professionalized college football world? How big do they want to get? What did Gene say earlier? Two thirty-two team conferences? Is that what he said? I think 30 to 40, yeah. I don't know how you do that. Especially with the Big 12 still being a factor. Not like as big of a factor, but it seems like the Big 12 is going to be around for a while longer. I'm just fascinated by all this. And then, like, what happens to Duke? This is the maddening part, by the way, of the conference realignment conversation. But, like, where does Duke go? What happens to them? You, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they turn into maybe the Big East. Kind of do what UConn did for a little bit, American oh, conference God. for football, and then Big East for basketball and every other sport. There's no way. You think? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. I know. I, I just can't. I can't imagine Duke slumming it with those. I'm sorry. I, I don't. I, I'm not casting judgment. Yeah, take that, Charlotte. No, 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 no. I'm not casting judgment on the. But it, Duke's a hoity-toity private school. You think they're slumming it with the AAC? Come on now. I'm spitballing here, man. Duke fans. I don't what want do you, that to happen. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What do you think of Smokes surmising that Duke could end up split between the, the Big East and the AAC? Please tell me on the or, text or maybe line. maybe the ACC and American conferences could merge. <sighs> What's left over of the ACC and the but, American? I, I, I don't, if, I'm, if I'm one of those schools that's coveted at least a little bit, I think I'd almost rather be in the Big 12. Yeah, but do you think the Big 12 is going to go after the Boston colleges of the world? Well, now, now the Bob's there. Now that Bill O'Brien's running the show for Boston College football, why not? Why not? 704 number says, KB, wouldn't it make sense for UNC and UVA to the Big Ten for academics? It would, yes, absolutely. But, of course, the SEC wants to get in these two. The states. SEC, right, we've talked about this. The SEC, there, there are two Old South states that the SEC has no flag planted in. It's North Carolina and Virginia. 
They happen to be two of the most populated states in the country. The two, literally one ranked one and two best states to do business in America. Both of these conferences want into Virginia and North Carolina. Both of them do. You've tuned into Instant Replay. When the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.